Welcome back to another episode of MDPC's Lenten Storytelling Podcast. I'm Rachel Poiskey, one of the associate pastors here, and I'm glad to have you join us as we are sharing real-life stories from our community. These are stories of hope, stories of fear, stories of mercy and grace. And today we have with us A.J. Phipps. He's been a member at MDPC and part of this community since 1966, And he's sharing today a story related to our word of the week, which is thirsty. What does it mean to be in a relationship with God, to pursue God, to find God in the midst of a very difficult life? So AJ is going to share a compelling story with us. It is a story of a relationship he has had with someone he has been mentoring for a very long time. And this is a great story of hope and grace in the midst of difficult situations. Thanks, AJ, for joining us. Thank you. I call this my my, uh, mentoring or mentee's story. I first met my mentee at his middle school, where I'd been participating in the wonderful mentoring program started by Mary Card. If you know about it, you will agree about the tremendous contribution it has made in hundreds of kids' lives. If you don't know about it, I strongly suggest you contact Mary Card or one of the new leaders there and volunteer. It will change your life and perhaps even save the life of a young person. I should strongly point out that uh, about my story is, is kind of a far-out exception to the mentoring experience. It's very untypical, but I learned a lot from it. And I think it would it would be st- still useful for you to know about uh, to know this story. On the first day of my second year as a mentor, my student wasn't there. This sixth grader had not shown up, and the school had no idea where he'd gone. I was disappointed, as he and I had been pursuing architecture of public works. I especially remember his interest in bridges. I and several others were asked to take on seventh graders who had not had mentors the previous year. When I first met my new mentee, I was some impressed, and even more so as I learned more about him and his accomplishment. He was an all-A student in all advanced classes, started in every sport, and was clearly well-known and liked by all the students and the middle school faculty. We got along great, and even gained permission to go to outside-the-school events, usually college or professional sports events, but also his favorite hamburger places. I also spent some time teaching him to drive a car. It was all done in the middle school parking lot, though. I also got to know my mentee's family. Mom had been abandoned in Houston by my mentee's father. She didn't speak English, but another MTPC member and myself got involved with her because her daughter, two years ahead of, of, of my mentee, had, had been kicked out of her high school after being caught shoplifting and then lying to a judge about her age. We got her into a private school for a semester before she was readmitted into public schools. Things moved smoothly with her afterwards. She married a U.S. citizen, got a great job, and has led a successful life. The first year with my new mentee went well. At school, we met weekly, talked about his life and the world, and often shot basket or kicked the football around. I helped my mentee get a job working for MAM, Memorial Area Ministries, for the summer, 
and they were quite impressed, even though he complained a bit to me about having to clean uh, one job there was having to clean bathrooms. Ma'am later expanded the program, taking multiple students, using financial aid from Exxon, and giving more inter- interesting assignments to the students. My mentee was headed to Ma'am for a second summer there when things took a dramatic turn. He was arrested the last day of middle school. The previous night, he had walked across the stage to accept various awards for his schoolwork in sports. The school principal later told me she cried as he walked across the stage because she already knew that he would be arrested the next day. I had been aware that his friends seemed to have shifted near the end of his eighth grade year, and it did not appear to be a healthy change. I was unaware, however, that he had joined a gang. The initiation rite there included killing a person. The initiation turned out unsuccessful because the victim, a kid of about the same age, had crawled out of the ditch they had thrown him into after one gang member and two initiates stabbed him 17 times. He somehow got to a hospital. During the week after the stabbing, while the stabbed kid was there in the hospital, he received a call from the third stabber, a senior gang member, who threatened to kill the stabbed kid's family if his identity was revealed. It never was. But my mentee and his partner were soon arrested. My next visits with my mentee were in the city juvenile prison, where he spent six or seven months before being judged an adult. In juvenile prison, we visit openly in a visitor cell, where I could bring him a soft drink and snack. He earned his GED while there, effectively skipping four years of high school. After he and his co-conspirators' trial in juvenile court, where they were judged adults, my mentee was moved to the regular adult prison in Houston, where he could no longer uh, meet for meaningful conversations. He told me that after a while there, he had set up to kill himself by hanging from a towel tied to his window. The morning after the day he decided to do this, he found a Bible someone had placed just outside his cell door. He picked it up, opened the random pages, began reading, and changed his mind about suicide. My mentee was soon transferred to several other prisons well away from Houston. We began exchanging letters but I was unaware that he was continuing the gang activity in prison. In fact, he became a fighter for gangs there. During this period, my letters to him included readings from a book entitled This I Believe. I think these readings reminded him of something he had heard during the years his mother had forced him to go to church. He had unknowingly stored up much from that. Thankfully, his most recent move to a different prison between four and five years ago, allowed him, by his own choice, to move into a special session that had no gangs. Folks there were trying to earn their way out rather than enjoying the fruits of prison gang membership. Through his will and my support, my mentee has now completed a number of correspondence courses, unfortunately no longer available to those without the use of a computer terminal. He has also read a lot of career-oriented books and has written, and I have typed, over 30 chapters of a book about his life, which I believe is publishable. It is marvelously composed from the view of his age at there at the time. From early years in Guatemala, 
travel across Mexico, the family's seven attempts to cross into the U.S., and then their life in Houston. His mother's devotion to church and praying with her children are mentioned in many of the chapters. He cannot now extend his book beyond his early school years in the U.S., since writing about gangs from prison is a life-endangering activity. Mamenti, upon prison release, probably this year, is most likely to be picked up and held in internment by ICE, that's Immigration and Customs Enforcement, until he can be deported to Guatemala. Because of my activities with Faith and Practice, a nonprofit that MDPC helped form that sends medical teams to Guatemala, and with Transitions, another nonprofit also in Antigua, Guatemala, where wheelchair-bound men make and give away special wheelchairs needed in the mountain villages. I think I can find him useful work there. But more appropriately, he is very smart and should get a college education, then pursue a life of giving, nine years plus after his arrest. Thank you for listening to Memorial Drive Presbyterian Church's Lenten podcast series. You may also want to check out Kids These Days, a podcast series for parents by Rachel Poiskey and Tara Reynolds. To learn more about our church, visit mdpc.org.